Good morning, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Today is Saturday, September 10th, 2022, and we are broadcasting live here on the northwest side of Chicago. My name is David Canfield, and I'll be your host for this time. You can visit us online at thechristianfaith.org. And if you'd like to participate in this time or just contact us with comments or questions about the Christian life or about the Christian Faith Radio Hour, you can send us an email at notes at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, you can go to our website. Again, that's thechristianfaith.org and click on the media tab and you'll find the podcast link under there. So today we had intended to continue talking about the meaning of life, which we've been doing the past couple of weeks uh, because I recently posted a video about that topic called The Parable of the Four Bottles. And it's a short video. You can watch, go online and watch that at the website fourbottles.org. And uh, we, ho- we do hope to do another program on that. But, uh, of course, this past week there was uh, something happened, uh, what some people might call a world historical event. Certainly event an event of tremendous significance, and that, of course, was the passing of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen of England, as we all know by now. And so it seemed that we should take this program and and this opportunity to remind ourselves that as the believers in Christ, one of the statuses that we have is that we will be those who are reigning with Christ in eternity, Praise the Lord for that. That's one aspect of the hope that we have in Christ. And, of course, we can learn a lot about that by looking at an earthly monarch, an earthly reign, taking some time to do that. And there's no throne on earth that, of course, uh, compares to the British throne in terms of its historical significance and its splendor uh, and uh, tradition. Uh, There's just nothing really that compares with it. The Japanese throne is older the chrysanthemum throne, if I can say that correctly, as they call it. That goes back to uh, something like at least 400 or 500 A.D. Some people feel, uh, I think according to the Japanese, they would say it goes back until about 660 B.C. So it's older than the British throne. But if, but in terms of uh, the splendor and the, the pageantry and uh, the, uh, as I say, the historical significance, nothing compares with the British throne. So, and... Queen Elizabeth was just a remarkable, remarkable leader. I mean, just a, just a, an incredible historical figure. And she, as everyone knows by now, she was the longest reigning monarch in British history, 70 years. She began in 1952. An interesting story, if you haven't heard this already, she was on a, a state visit to Kenya. And the night that her father passed away, um, George VI, pretty sure I have that right, uh, she was up in a treehouse in Kenya on a, a, a reserve there uh, visiting. It was a state visit and uh, they wanted to show her this park so she and her husband Philip were up there for the night and uh, that's when her father passed away. And so uh, they, there's a saying that she went up into the treehouse as a princess and she came down as a queen. Quite a, quite a story. But it's not just the length of her reign, but how she reigned that really just endeared her so much to to her subjects. Um, she just had such a, a grace about her and a dignity. And she does seem to have been a real believer in Christ. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, 
Billy Graham was preaching in Scotland in 1955, and she and her husband watched uh, the first telecast of a Billy Graham crusade, I think it was, and they saw that, and they invited him to come to, I think it was Buckingham Palace, maybe Windsor Castle the next day, or very soon thereafter, and uh, uh, she really appreciated Billy Graham and uh, had him at, uh, visit her at least a dozen times, and uh, and just by your speeches and um, uh, other indications, seems pretty clear she was a real believer in the Lord, and she certainly felt that the Lord was her uh, model for how she wanted to reign. And she did reign with, as I say, with so much grace and dignity. Uh, and just a lot of historical facts about her. She was the last, as, as my brother likes to point out, she was the last national leader in the world who had served in World War II. She was, uh, I think, a nurse in World War II. Um, one fact that has always blown me away uh, was that she met Charles Lindbergh. She was introduced to Charles Lindbergh right after his historic flight in 1927. I mean, it's just been incredible to me that there was still a leader on the world stage who could say that. She was, of course, only about a year old at the time, but after he uh, flew into the uh, airport in Paris and, and spent some time there, he went over the channel to meet the British royal family. And when he did that, they introduced him to uh, Elizabeth. At that time, I don't think she was in the line of succession, but uh, uh, later when... Uh, the one king abdicated her father, became king, and that's when she uh, became next in line. But she did, in that sense, she she met Charles Lindbergh, just, a, just an incredible historical figure. And she really embodied the, the British uh, devotion to duty. There, she just, all through her reign, she really seems to have had the uh, view of herself that she was a servant. And, uh, you know, like the Lord says in... Uh, uh, Matthew 20, he's talking to the believers. Uh, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, and that's Matthew uh, chapter 20, verses uh, 25 through uh, 28. And she seems to have had, have had something of this attitude that she was a servant of the British people, and that really endeared her so much to, to her subjects. You know, I, I was over in England in, uh, in 1982, so many years ago, and I saw the British crown jewels. It's so impressive. I mean, they don't, they don't even have all of them out at any one time. It, they're there in the Tower of London. Of course, they're heavily guarded. And, and you walk by these cases where the jewels are in and just just really, really impressive. And, of course, all the pageantry that's involved with, uh, with the British throne um, and with the, that we're going to see now with uh, the funeral for Queen Elizabeth. And then uh, after uh, many months, maybe a year, a year and a half or so, uh, there'll be the uh, uh, ceremony, uh, for the crowning of uh, King Charles. Uh, just to all this pageantry, and it, 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 there's a kind of an earthly glory there that shows us to be a king is no small thing. It really isn't. Uh, that uh, it just it's, it's, it's truly a, a, a great matter, and we should have a sense as believers in Christ that our being those who will reign with Christ is also a very very great matter, and hopefully. 
the passing of this uh, dear Queen of England will really remind us of that and help us to realize, wow, one day I am going to be those who are one of those who are reigning with Christ in eternity. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know if it's right to say that we are going to be kings with Christ. Now, and there's a difference in the manuscripts over this point. Uh, in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, in the King James, it says that Christ has made us kings and priests to God. And you see basically the same statement in Revelation uh, 5, verse 10, when the earthly when, rather, when the heavenly elders make this statement that uh, he has made them uh, kings and priests to God. But that's in the King James. In the more modern manuscripts, it says, he has made us a kingdom, comma, priests to our God and Father. So the New American Standard Version, uh, uh, other modern versions, ESV, NIV, all say kingdom. They're not kings. So I'm not quite sure it's right to say that we're going to be kings with Christ, but it does say we will be reigning with him. And uh, in in Revelation 20, in the millennium, it uh, shows us we will be those who are reigning on the throne with Christ if we are the overcomers. We want to talk more about that uh, later. So that's why I'm avoiding saying that we're going to be kings with Christ, because I'm not sure that that's quite clear in the New Testament. But we will be reigning with Christ. We will be those who are reigning under his authority. And that is um, going to be a glorious, glorious matter. Praise the Lord for that. And so we should appreciate when we see this picture of the passing of this earthly monarch, that should remind us we have a glorious future. We really do. Praise the Lord. And we should remember that today we are being trained while we are on the earth and prepared to reign with Christ in his kingdom, both in the millennium and during the thousand during eternity praise the lord for that so now what we wanted to take some time to consider the two different reignings of christ and i sent out an email about this uh this morning from the website thechristianfaith.org it's the first uh note on there now it's called the two uh the believers two reignings because in the book of revelation it refers to us reigning with Christ in two different places. The first is in Revelation 20, verse 4, where it says, They lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And the second is in Revelation 22, 5. They shall reign forever and ever. So in eternity, we're going to be reigning with Christ forever and ever. But it does talk about another time when the believers reign, and that's that that, that's at 24, where the believers live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. And so we want to consider the difference between these two reignings. Um, what, is, what is different about them? And, of course, the first is the duration. A thousand years is quite a long time. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, she, as, as I said, she, and she was the longest reigning British monarch at 70 years. The only monarch earthly monarch who ever lived longer than her was Louis XIV of France. I think his reign was 74 or 75 years. Uh, he began, I think it was 1650, and he died in 1704. So, if I'm again, I'm, I'm not sure about those dates, but I believe that's right. So, that would be what... Uh, uh, that must, must have been longer than... No, that can't be right. 
uh, but it was around that time frame. But I think I read he reigned for about 74, 75 years. So uh, he's the only one who lived longer. That's, that's a, just an amazingly long reign in earthly terms. But for those that it is speaking about in Revelation chapter 20, they will live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. There's no comparison, right? That's uh, much, much longer. And then, of course, after that for eternity. But the question is, who is it that's going to reign for that thousand years with Christ in the millennium? So now I want to read uh, verse, Revelation 20, verse 4 in its entirety. And we want to consider this matter because it's very, very significant. And not many believers have a proper understanding of this reigning with Christ during the millennium and what the significance of that is. And that's what we're going to be spending the rest of the program on today. So Revelation 20, verse 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So the question is, who is the they here? Who is it? when it says, I sat thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Is this all the believers in Christ? That's the question. Is this all the believers in Christ? Or is it only some of the believers in Christ? In other words, does the fact that we believed in Christ, does that guarantee we will reign with Christ during the millennium? Or is there some qualification in addition to that that we need to reign with Christ? And when we look at the whole New Testament, what we see is, It is not sufficient simply to be a believer in Christ if we want to enter into the reigning with Christ during the millennium. That reigning with Christ is a reward based upon how we live our Christian life. It is not simply a matter of our initial believing. That, uh, so to speak, is the case with our reigning with Christ in eternity. In eternity, we reign with Christ Every believer will reign with Christ in eternity. Put it that way. Uh, there's no, no exception. If you're a believer in Christ today, if you've just simply opened your heart and said, Lord, I want you to be my Savior, then you're going to be one in eternity who is reigning with Christ. And if you haven't done that yet, again, I would encourage you and urge you, open your heart to the Lord today. Tell him, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I confess I'm a sinner. Come and live inside of me. I want to be one who's reigning with you in eternity. The alternative, and I've said this a few times uh, in recent programs, is to share the fate of the rich man in uh, Luke 16, who goes into torment in Hades, and eventually he'll be cast into the lake of fire. This is a very, very serious matter. We don't want that to happen to you. We can change our destiny in a moment simply by opening our heart to the Lord. He doesn't want anyone to end up in the lake of fire. That's not God's desire. It's not God's heart. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so we can be saved from that destiny. So we can change our destiny and say, Lord, save me, be my savior, make me one of your children so I'll live and reign with you for eternity. So again, if you haven't done that yet, we urge you, do that now. Don't delay. We never know how much time we have. Now is the day of salvation. But for everyone who has taken that step, every single person who's ever taken that step will reign with Christ for eternity. And praise the Lord for that. But that does not mean we will reign with Christ during that 1,000-year 
period, which is called the millennium. You know, Jesus made it clear in, or earlier in Revelation, we've already quote, quoted Revelation 24, chapter 20, verse 4. Earlier in Revelation, in chapter 3, verse 21, he made a promise. He says this, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So here he says, he doesn't say to him who believes, to him whose sins are forgiven. It says to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. So in Revelation 24, when it says, uh, I saw thrones and they sat upon them, that's who it's talking about here. In Revelation 20, it's talking about those who overcome, as the Lord speaks of in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. If we want to sit with Christ on his throne, we have to overcome. And he explains that further in another verse in uh, Revelation. It's, this is uh, verse, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. And here I should add, he's quoting also in Psalm 2, verse 9. So here's what the Lord says. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father. So again, he talks about the overcomers here. And here he defines it a little more. He says, and keeps my works until the end. So it's not simply a matter of our initial believing. To be an overcomer means we keep the Lord's works until the end. Again, this is what qualifies us. It's what prepares us to reign with Christ under his authority during the millennium. The fact that we keep his works until the end. Now, and I should add, uh, you know, I sent out a note about this this morning called The, the Believer's Two Reigns. If I haven't mentioned that already, that's on, that's on the website. Uh, and I really get into this matter in a, uh, uh, basically in covering these same points. And I also mentioned in that email, uh, an email we sent out not that long ago uh, on the uh, parable of the Minas in uh, Luke chapter 19. And uh, the title of that email is How the Lord is Testing Us. And a very good statement there, and I don't have it in front of me, but from D.M. Panton. That's the parable where the Lord, um, he calls the servants to him and he gives each one of them a mina. And to the faithful ones, they get to reign over cities. But the one who's not faithful, who doesn't produce anything with that mina, which is worth about 100 days wages, he takes the mina away from him. He does not get to reign. Again, that's a picture of what we're seeing here. If we want to reign with Christ, we have to be faithful to follow him in this age. Uh, and uh, this is, of course, we're talking about the book of Revelation. Uh, but we also see this. It's certainly the case that the Lord said the same thing to uh, his early apostles, to his 12 uh, apostles. This is in Luke chapter 19. Uh, and uh, the, uh, this is just after the story uh, of the, uh, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he goes away sorrowing because he wouldn't leave what he had. He was, he's a man of great wealth. And then in the next verse, this is Matthew, uh, Matthew 19, verses 27 and 28. In the next verse, uh, Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Now, notice the Lord doesn't rebuke him. The Lord doesn't say, 
shame on you for thinking that you're supposed to have some reward for following me. He doesn't say that. A lot of times when you talk about rewards, we think that's something contrary to the grace uh, that we have as Christ and believers, that there shouldn't be rewards. But the Lord doesn't say that here. He doesn't rebuke Peter. Listen to what he says. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, and that's, that's referring to the millennium, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So these 12 apostles had a particular reward, and that was based on the fact that they had faithfully followed Christ. So again, we see here, this reigning with Christ during the millennium is a reward. There's really no question about this in the New Testament. It is not guaranteed to every believer. It is a reward for those who are faithful to follow Christ in this age. Uh, and I appreciate very much uh, uh, Pember, G.H. Pember. Uh, he was writing in about 1909. He put it in this way. He says, The Lord himself has warned us to hold fast that which we have, that no one take our crown. That's a quote from Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. For while the life, the, in other words, the eternal life we receive, for while the life is a free and inalienable gift when once bestowed, the crown is conditional and may be lost. We have no promise that we shall reign with Christ. It means reign with Christ during the millennium if we merely believe on him, but only if we suffer or endure with him. That's a very, very good statement. So in other words, the free gift that we have in Christ of the divine life and of eternal life, that is unconditional. We can't lose that. But we don't have the assurance that we are going to reign with Christ in the millennium. There's no verse in the New Testament that ever says that, that we are guaranteed to reign with Christ in the millennium. Yes, there is a verse that says we will reign with Christ in eternity. For sure, that's in the New Testament. Uh, and that's the verse we quoted earlier, Revelation uh, 22, verse 5. Uh, we shall reign forever and ever, praise the Lord. But what we want to stress this morning is that our reigning with Christ during the millennium is something distinct from that eternal reigning. And once we realize that, it's very clear we are not guaranteed to be those who reign with Christ. That depends upon our following of Christ after we are saved and whether or not we learn the lessons as believers in this age, that will prepare us to reign with him for eternity. That's, that's what will determine whether or not we reign with Christ, excuse me, not during eternity, during the millennium. We need to learn those lessons, just as to be uh, um, such an effective and uh, uh, good queen of England, Elizabeth had to learn some lessons. She couldn't simply uh, walk up to the throne and, and sit on it. Yes, she was born to that throne, but she still had to be prepared. In the same way, we're born to the throne as well as believers in Christ, but we have to learn the lessons that Christ wants to teach us today to prepare us to actually sit on the throne with him. And that's really what our life in this age is all about. Pember says elsewhere, our life here is an, is an apprenticeship to prepare us to reign with Christ. And unfortunately, it seems not many believers are really aware of this, uh, because we hear so much teaching about free grace, the, the gift of grace. That's one side of the Christian life. And for sure, the gift of salvation that we have in Christ is a free gift. Uh, we simply open our hearts and receive it. Uh, but there's always two sides to the truth in the Bible. There are always balancing truths. And the balancing truth 
to the truth to the truth of free grace is that our reigning with Christ in the millennium is not a gift it is a reward if we are to those believers who are faithful to follow Christ in this age the apostle paul realized that realized that as well he said he's talking in uh uh 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. He was very clear about this. Listen to what he says. Everyone who competes for the prize, he's talking about the prize of the Olympic Games back in Greece at that time. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So that's a, a, a word, a very clear word from the Apostle Paul. He himself was concerned that he could be disqualified. And it's not uh, talking there about salvation. Some people wrongly use this to think Paul was trying to earn his salvation. No, he's not talking about eternal salvation. What he's talking about is this imperishable crown. That's the word he uses. We do it to, to obtain an imperishable crown. Salvation was not, he didn't have to worry about his salvation, but he was concerned that he might be disqualified from wearing that imperishable crown during the millennium. We can't be disqualified from wearing it during eternity. We will wear that crown. But he was concerned he might not gain the reward of wearing that crown during the millennium. It's a very, very serious matter. And, you know, we often warn uh, unbelievers about their, their need to uh, repent and be saved. But we also have to warn believers about our need to be serious and sober in our seeking after the Lord today so that we will reign with him and gain the reward of being with him in the millennium, because that is not a gift, that is a reward. And Watchman Nee puts it in a very good way. He says, uh, God sets before the unbeliever heaven and hell. He sets before the believer reward and discipline. So this is a, this is a very, very serious word. Uh, and unfortunately, many believers just... Uh, uh, have no heart to hear this, and, and many Bible teachers today have no heart to teach it because it's not popular. We like the part about the free gift. That's the part I like. I want to hear that part, right? I don't want to hear the part about uh, having to pay a price to follow Christ uh, in order to uh, receive the reward. But the Lord is fair. He knows those who follow him and those who don't, and he will reward us accordingly. And frankly, when you see this truth in the New Testament, this truth of the reward and discipline of the believers, it puts so many verses in their proper place that we can't understand otherwise, um, that they just don't seem to fit if we're so focused on the matter of free grace because they seem to contradict uh, the teaching of God's gift of salvation being free. And in fact, uh, some Bible teachers do wrongly use these verses to try to argue that you can lose your salvation. But that's never what they're talking about, just like these verses we just quoted. Again, the reference is 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. That's not talking about losing your salvation. Some people may try to say that. It's talking about losing the reward. But And that is a major topic in the New Testament, whether or not we will receive the reward and reign with Christ during the millennium. And this should be, and it should be a strong incentive to us to be sober and serious about following Christ in this age so we can reign with him in the next age. 
another verse along this line, a very strong verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, these are sober words, and, and, and they're not stressed enough today. And let me repeat this verse. If we endure, we also shall reign with him. So here we see our reigning with Christ, again, is conditional. It is based upon whether or not we endure. It is not if we believe, if we simply have our sins forgiven. It's if we endure. And so I urge you, if you're uh, the kind of believer who has this thought that every believer is going to reign with Christ during the millennium, that's a free gift, please consider these verses before the Lord because that's not true. That's simply not true. All over the New Testament, it's quite clear. Uh, he has set before us this reward as an encouragement to follow him faithfully in this age. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And then the clear meaning here is if we don't endure, we shall not reign with him. And he goes on in the, in the last part of that verse, if we deny him, he also will deny us. Again, some would say that means we lose our salvation. But no, it's not talking about that. It's talking about the question of whether or not we will reign with Christ. Now, once we see this, actually, it should strengthen our assurance of salvation very much. Because we should realize, oh, now these verses that I thought indicated maybe I could lose my salvation, they're not talking about that. They're talking about a temporary discipline during the millennium where I lose the reward of reigning with Christ. They're not talking about eternal salvation. So in that sense, they encourage and strengthen our assurance of salvation that we should have. But they help us to realize we should not have the assurance, just as the Apostle Paul did not have the assurance that we will reign with Christ during the millennium. We're not more spiritual than Paul was, that's for sure. And he didn't have the assurance, that assurance. Neither should we. Uh, and so we have to realize I have to be so much more serious about my Christian life, so much more serious about following the Lord and being prepared to reign with him in the coming age. Amen. So that will do it for uh, this segment of the program. Uh, in the next segment, we will bring on uh, Joe Pope uh, from... Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to continue discussing uh, this very serious, very sober topic. So we will be back with you on the other side of the break. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge, both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Amen.
Hello, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. And now we're going to bring on Brother Joe Pope from Pittsburgh. Uh, and uh, Joe, are you there? And, uh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yes, Dave. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're okay. You're a little bit remote, um, so I don't know if you can uh, bring it a little closer. A little better. Um, How about that? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, that may be a little bit better. Yeah, I, I'm having a little problem with okay. my uh, my earphones, too, for some reason. So, um, yeah. How are you feeling? That's the first question. Now, just so, so the listeners know, when I uh, touched base with Joe uh, a couple of days ago, I found out you have the virus. So, are you, are you you're feeling okay, though? Are you? Uh, yeah, feeling okay. Still testing positive. Okay. Well, so the, the listeners may want to put their masks on, right? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm looking sure maybe some of the some of the listeners would. That would uh, these days you just about wonder. Anyway, no. But to be clear, that was yeah. uh, I was being ironic there. So anyway, but but glad to hear you're feeling okay, Joe, and hope hope you get through this fine. And, and glad you, glad you can be with us. Thank the Lord for that. So, yeah. so so uh, Joe, you know, as, as you know, uh, we were um, talking yesterday about uh, getting into the continuing on this matter of the meaning of life, but but we just felt. With the passing of Queen Elizabeth, this is an opportunity we really needed to take to consider uh, our uh, our status as believers, that we're going to be those who are reigning with Christ. And so, Joe, just first of all, did you have any comments about, uh, you were listening, of course, for the first part of the program, do you have any comments uh, uh, or thoughts about that, or about Queen Elizabeth in general? Go ahead. So. Yeah, something I, I heard in watching the news yesterday um, kind of touched me in the context of what you're talking about, uh, the, the Queen Elizabeth's passing. And the, the comment was that uh, Charles uh, III, her son, has been preparing uh, his whole life mm. <laughs> for, as the Prince of Wales, to eventually be the king, knowing that ultimately it would come. But it touched me, there was a, the word preparation. In other words, he wasn't just uh, uh, living a life apart from the royalty, and then all of a sudden he's chosen to be royalty, but he lived a life in preparation. And it kind of... I did, by the way, uh, yeah, along that line, some time ago I read uh, an account, and I didn't, yeah, I can't give you too many of the details, but I believe his uncle was Lord Mountbatten. And at an early age, yes. he realized he really needed to take Charles in hand and to, yes. and to specifically, he re, I mean, he literally, so he really had a mentor who said, I have to, yes. this boy's going to be king. I have to raise him up to be king. And uh, so he That's really, exactly right. uh, I don't know if you've heard that as well, but it was specifically Lord Mountbatten who did kind of put him through an apprenticeship to train he, him as much he, as he could. He did. He, yeah. he did. He really mentored him at a young age, yeah. preparing him early on for the, for the kingship. I agree, Dave. It yeah. was a very touching story. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I'd like to comment a little bit, too. I think this is really good. You know, I was thinking of Second Timothy, was it 2.15, you know, to, to cut straight the Word of God, a mm. woman, uh, cutting straight the Word of God. And when you read the Bible, you just can't gloss over some of these, um, can't gloss over the word, word of God. And when you read closely, you realize what you're talking about um, as inheriting the um, the, the kingdom for, for all the believers, yes, in eternity, we all will partake of the, of the kingdom of God. We'll all partake as a, to reign with, reign with him, rather. And then there's a difference between that, and if you read closely, as you pointed out, uh, you know, reigning with Christ in the, the thousand years, the millennium, the wedding feast. And, and that's why Paul had talked about, you know, he compares himself to an athlete, 
and in the day he himself wasn't uh, sure that he would be qualified, but he could be disqualified. Yeah, and if Paul could be disqualified, how much more? I mean, okay, you think you're supposed to have some assurance. Well, apparently you're more spiritual than the Apostle Paul if you feel you're automatically qualified to reign in the millennium, right? So, yeah, I don't know how believers, yeah. some believers would answer that, yeah. Yeah, so why would Paul even have that conversation unless he's trying to point us to something that we all have to, to run, right? Not, or to box is not beating the air, you know, all those right. metaphors he uses. And then at the end of his life, he himself <clears throat> talks about, you know, he fought through a good fight, he ran a course, he kept the faith, and henceforth was laid up for him a crown. Well, a crown speaks of, of, of reigning. Yes, that's right. Christ. And it's henceforth. That that was that. That's uh, I can get that first. It's Second Timothy two, or Second uh, Timothy four. Is it verse seven? Uh, it's um, henceforth there is laid up for me uh, the crown mm -hmm. of righteousness. Maybe it's verse eight. Um, uh, yes, Second uh, Timothy four eight. Henceforth mm -hmm. there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. That's at the very end of his life. Right. So not before that. He doesn't say that. Before that time, right. it's after, like, I really appreciate your pointing out these verses, Second uh, Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Uh, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So henceforth, now that he has accomplished these things, now there is laid up for me that crown of righteousness. So again, it shows this point. Our reigning with Christ is based on our running the race. In this, in the context here, right. finishing the course. So sorry, go ahead, Joe. But I, it's very, very good point. No, no, no. I'm just. Uh, I I agree, Dave. Uh, and Paul, Paul in, in Philippians talked about you know forgetting those things that are behind, reaching yeah. forward to the things that are ahead. He pressed toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling mm -hmm. of, of God in Christ Jesus. And so then, there he uh, there he's a runner in the race, trying to gain the prize. Yeah, Amen, Joe. Yeah, exactly. He's so he he uses these metaphors to talk. Uh, about this matter of reward. And as you pointed out, grace is is a gift. It is a gift, right? We know that. Yes. Ephesians 2.8, it's a gift of God. No one can boast. But reward is a matter of our work, our labor, right? We're created unto good works. You know, uh, we are his uh, poema, his masterpiece created unto good works. Yeah. So when you align those verses with what... Um, uh, was, was spoken by the uh, James, the Lord's brother, you know, you show me your, your faith, I'll show you my works. These are not contradictions. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. James is talking about our reward. You know, okay, yes, receiving Christ is a gift. All we have to do is believe. It's just that profoundly simple. But then what do we do with that gift? And you mentioned, you know, the, the, the metaphor, the, the minus, investing, uh, Luke 18, doing business until I come. So there's a, there's, there's a course that we have to run. I was touched by <clears throat> something in the Daniel conference that we just came away from, Yeah. where uh, in Daniel 12, 13, uh, the angel says, but as for you, he's talking to Daniel, you go your way to the end, then you will enter into rest, rise again for your allotted portion at the end of this age. <clears throat> so the allotted portion, he's talking about the inheritance. There's an inheritance. There's an allotted portion. And looking at a book that I've, I've got help from, it's called um, Grace in Eclipse by um, Brother Zane Hodges, uh, copyright 2007, Grace in Eclipse. Mm -hmm. And he talks about meritorious airship, okay? 
Yeah, we... Airship, uh, as as in we are heirs of God. Yes, we are are heirs of God. Okay. And I was thinking, the verse that came to me as you were speaking is, um, oh, it's Romans 8, 17, where Paul says, and if children, then heirs, okay, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Okay, now here's the condition, if... If we suffer with him, right. then we may also be glorified with him. Yes, so there again, are again, we, very we good heirs? verse, because it shows how uh, our being heirs is conditional. It's not, not we're children, that's unconditional. But being exactly. heirs is conditional, if we, right. if we suffer exactly. with him. Yeah, amen, Joe. Exactly, that's why he used the words if. Yes. And then I like, as you pointed out, <clears throat> to the seven churches in, in Revelation, you know, there's this word to overcome, now, given the churches are the ecclesia, the believers in Christ, right? By definition, the church is the ecclesia. So you assume that everybody in the church is a believer, right? By by definition. But then there's this condition: if you overcome, or to him who overcomes, I will I will give right uh, to to the right to the tree of life, you know, or you shall, uh, you know. Yeah. Be sit with him and all the rewards given right. to them. Exactly. And the that's conditional. So it speaks of condition. Okay, so at any rate, uh, this meritorious airship, airship that um, that uh, Zane Hodges is talking about, <clears throat> he mentions this. He says, quoting the verse that you had quoted, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit, here's the word, will inherit the kingdom of God. And of course there he's speaking, Paul is speaking to the believers there, right? Yeah. He is speaking to the believers, to the church in in Corinth. And he says, and such were some of you, but you're wise, sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Um in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God. So Paul says, you are washed, okay, so that you can inherit. But then later Paul addresses all their shortcomings, you know, taking each other to court, being divisive with one another. The one instance where a brother gets involved with a, uh, his, uh, whatever, uh, immoral situation. Um, so all this, so, so Paul is saying, he said, he said, it is, or this is what Zane says, it is unfortunate that these words have been so widely misconstrued. When the thought of inheriting the kingdom is reduced to a mere synonym of entering it, the force of their warning is largely lost. So what he says here, he goes on to say that basically we can enter, we enter by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We enter what? The kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean we inherit it. So he draws a distinction there. Hmm. You can enter in the lands like in the Old Testament, many lived in the land of, of Judah or Israel. They lived there, but it didn't mean they were going to inherit the land, is the point he makes. So the inheritance comes uh, out, of our, uh, out of our labor, out of our life, out of our living, out of our following the Lord. Just like there are many believers, but not every believer necessarily is a disciple, a follower mm. of the Lord. And so, so the reward is tied to... And conditional upon our our living for the Lord, our our following the Lord, as you pointed out in Revelation uh, 20. And then I'd like to quote verse six also: "Blessed and holy 
is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. For they shall reign with, uh, they shall be priests of God and of Christ. They shall reign with him a thousand years. Not for eternity. That's, as you pointed out, that's for every believer in the new heaven, the new earth. But in regard to the kingdom, the 1,000 year period, this is, uh, uh, this is, this portion goes to those who, who, um, as you mentioned, verse four, right, who overcame, who overcame. Yes. Uh, they, they were martyred for the Lord Jesus. They were witnesses of Jesus mm. and for the word of God. Amen. In other words, the reward was something that came out of their living, not just uh, their belief in Christ, their, their, uh, their faith, their, their living for Christ, and hence a crown of righteousness. You know, and Paul says, uh, not, not Paul, the Lord says, right, beware that no one steal or take your crown, which means you don't lose your salvation, as you said, but you can lose, certainly lose your reward. You know, this a lot, you know, Paul, that makes sense. You know, so, a lot of what you're saying, Joe, it just reminds me, and this is a crucial point of uh, what Govet said in the 1800s. Now, he was, he was a, a Bible teacher. He's not that well known, but he really stressed this matter of the reward and discipline of the believers. And uh, he was probably the first to really see this matter in a clear way, Robert Govet. And he, he stressed there are always two sides to divine truth. And you have to see both sides. And the reason why so many Bible teachers get into such trouble uh, is that they only see one side of the truth. And they're not balanced to see the other side as well. But whenever God sets forth one truth in the scripture, there's always a truth that balances that. And probably, and this is, this is my thought, that that probably comes out of the very nature of God himself, that God is three and yet he's also one. He's one and yet he's also three. And so you see this twofoldness of the divine truth in the Godhead itself. If you, if you strongly insist God is three and you, and you don't see the side of the oneness, you know, then you're basically tritheist. And you have some believers today who they stress God is one. I, I, what do they call that? Uh, I forget some kind of theology. Oneness, I think it's called oneness theology. That They see God as one, but they refuse to see what the Bible also shows us, the other side of the truth, that God is three. So you have to be balanced. You have to see, yes, God is one, but also God is three. Jesus is God, but he's also a man, a perfect man. Uh, and you see that same principle. Wherever you see a truth in the Bible, you have to see God's, the, the other side. Some people strongly stress the matter of God's sovereignty. To, to, but if they, they refuse to see the side of man's responsibility. And sometimes these two sides of the truth, it seems like they're contradictory. They never are. But uh, in our thoughts, sometimes they are. How, how, how can it be that God is sovereign? And yet at the same time, we still have our responsibility before him. Sometimes the Bible doesn't explain it. We just accept what the Bible shows us. Both are true. Yes, God is sovereign. Right. But at the same time, we still have our responsibility. Uh, that's true as, uh, of course, in relation to our eternal salvation, where we're going to spend eternity. But it's also true in relation to whether or not we receive the reward. So that's the, yes, the one side of this truth is salvation is God's free gift. And this is what the Calvinists like to stress. And in this aspect, we say that's absolutely right. It's God's free gift. We simply open up our heart and believe in the Lord and receive his salvation. And he, he bestows, us upon, bestows it upon us freely. But the other side is, there's still the matter of whether or not we will be rewarded with reigning, 
with Christ during the millennium. And that is not a free gift. That is based upon our works and how we live our life after we are saved, after we believe in the Lord. And that's that's the balancing truth. But to have a complete view of the scripture, we need to see both sides. It's not adequate. And we've, we've uh, I'm not going to go back over them again, but these verses we quoted this morning really fully prove that. Uh, if uh, some, some people like to deny this because they don't fit their, it doesn't fit their theology. I mean, I, I'll never forget when I first ran into this kind of teaching. Uh, it, was, it was within the first year after I was saved. You know, 1983, I was saved, and I began to read uh, Watchman Nee's books, which I really appreciated. But um, uh, then I picked up his book, The Salvation of the Soul, which somewhat deals with this topic. And he gets into this matter of the reward and discipline of the believers. And I'm pretty sure that's where he makes that statement I quoted earlier. God sets before the unbeliever heaven and hell. He sets before the believer reward and discipline. And so I read that as a new believer, like I say, saved less than a year. And I'd never heard this before, and I didn't like it. And I said, well, I, I, I really appreciate Brother Nee's ministry, but I don't like this part. I don't take this part. And there wasn't any scriptural basis I had for not taking it, I just didn't like it, you know? And I'm afraid so, with so many believers today, that's kind of the situation they're in. They don't receive this kind of a word. It's not really because they have a scriptural basis. Either it's because it contradicts their theology, which is one-sided, or simply they don't want to hear it. They don't, they don't like it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to stress the free part of salvation. I'm not going to really confront those verses in the New Testament that show me I have to be serious about following Christ. Right. Yeah, right. amen. Right. Amen. Well, I think, I think that, Dave, we, we like to think that way because it's, um, and it takes all responsibility off our shoulders. Yeah. But, uh, I can be saved. I can love the world. I can live in the world. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, there's there's a kingdom for me that I will enjoy for eternity, you know, where, where I will go to heaven, this kind of a thing, and enjoy it simply by believing. And that latter part yeah, is true. Uh, That's right. In eternity, we will. Eternal we got, life yeah. Is, is, yeah, eternal life simply is by believing. But reward, sharing in the kingdom, having a crown of righteousness that Paul talked about, henceforth is laid up for me, a crown of righteousness, or a portion, the, the Greek word for portion, meros, Meros, hmm. like meritus. There's oh. a merit. It's merited. Oh, I see. Interesting. There's okay. some there's some effort that we have to put into it. And he, his brother in in the Zane Hodges talks about the the, uh, the the parable of the prodigal son. Right? He took uh, he told the father, Father, give me the share or the merit, the portion that was become mine. So he divided his assets between them. What did he do? He went out and and wasted what the father had given to him. Right? Yeah. His portion. So we can do the same thing. We can get caught up in the world, and we can love the world, and we, or we can say, "Well, I'm saved. Hallelujah! That's it. That's my fire insurance. You know, I'm, I'm I'm sealed. I'll be with God for eternity. Yes, for eternity, as you pointed out, after the, the after the millennial kingdom, after the thousand year, after the wedding feast, we will reign with Christ. Right? That's that that, that, that verse was pointed out to us. But what about? The kingdom will we inherit the kingdom will we reign with it with christ on you see and that is conditional all that is conditional depending on on if we would overcome overcome this world and that's Amen. the other side that you're pointing to that we like to write off because it means um i'm accountable <laughs> yeah that's right i'm accountable I, to god how i live my life yeah that's right that's right um, and, and it, it does answer i think questions some unbelievers have about well you mean if I get saved, 
I can just live my life any way I want and there's no consequences. And sometimes, sometimes believers have a hard time answering that question. But once you see this matter, that fully answers that question. No, you are accountable to God for how you live your Christian life. Mm-hmm. Now, and I did want to say yeah. that I did want to, this verse struck me recently. Uh, it's uh, Revelation 21, verse 7. Uh, it's after he says, uh, he's, John sees a new heaven and a, and a new earth. And he, saw, he sees the holy city coming down, uh, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband in Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Then uh, uh, God says, uh, uh, I'm the Alpha and the Omega in verse 21, 6. And then in verse 7, he says, he who overcomes shall, in- shall inherit all these things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Be my son. So even in eternity... When we talk about eternity, it is a free gift in a sense, but in another sense, we still have to overcome. He says, he who overcomes shall inherit all these things. In other words, we we still have to be prepared to reign with Christ in eternity. Now, the guarantee is we will overcome in eternity because we will be prepared to reign. So it's not a question of whether or not we're going to overcome. It's a question of when we overcome. If we, if we overcome in this age, we'll reign with Christ in the next age. But if we don't overcome in this age, if we're defeated as believers, if we're defeated in our walk with the Lord, then the thousand years will be a time of discipline for us. In, in that time, we will, we will be brought to the point where we do overcome, where we are fully conformed to the image of Christ, because we still have to be prepared to reign with him in eternity. But that is guaranteed to us. That kind of overcoming is guaranteed. We will overcome eventually. Right. But I, so I appreciate that. It, it is still a matter of overcoming. In a sense, it's a free gift. The free gift is to guarantee us that we will overcome. But, uh, uh, but eventually, we do have to overcome in order to reign with Christ. So it's a question of when. Absolutely. You know, in, in Philippians, uh, verse chapter 3, uh, Paul talks about... Um, that he might obtain to the uh, if by any means is that three eleven I think to the resurrection of the dead. Yeah. If you read the Greek, it's not just resurrection; it's the ek resurrection. Right. And prepositions in Greek uh, carry a strong meaning. Ek resurrection. Ek resurrection. The out resurrection. And Paul says that um, you align that verse with uh, Revelation. 20, verse 6, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. And some scholars will say that is referring to the Ek resurrection, the first resurrection, which is the resurrection to reward or to the kingdom reward or to reign with Christ, not just a standard resurrection. And then um, over those, good. Yeah. For those who partake of that, the second death has no power. Which means the second death, we know in chapter 20, is, is the lake of fire. Lake of yeah. fire. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but because many dear Christians today, the second death, the darkness does have authority over them. Christians who get caught by sin, Christians who fall away from, from, from Christ. And Paul addresses that whole topic in 1 Corinthians, where he tells the believers, right? He rebukes the believers for, for not following Christ, not living Christ. So you realize it's very possible that we Christians, you see, will be, will be we know that from our own experience, um, are subject to the, the, the powers of darkness. You see, and the powers of darkness does have authority over many of us, unfortunately. When we're not, so yeah, when we're not in Christ, that's right. Yeah, yeah. When we're not in Christ, we're not following Christ, we're not living Christ. 
So this responsibility is sobering. And I think we all, as Christians, not to be uh, afraid in a bad way, but we need to be sober and live our life before the Lord. And we need to be warned about this, because unfortunately, this kind of word is not common at all among Christians today. I think some believers are getting it, hopefully more and more, but yeah, amen. Well, there's a judgment seat of Christ for the unbelievers, you know, and Every man's work will be tried, so yes. as through fire, right? That's uh, Second Corinthians nature, chapter 5, verse 10. Gold, yeah. silver, precious stone, yeah. or will we suffer loss? Yeah. Wood, hair, stubble, that which is just temporary. So to me, I, I love this. You know, we are given that which is temp- temporary. Our time is temporary. Our money is temporary. And we live in this temporary realm of time, but we can use what is temporary to gain what is eternal, yeah. that is the gold, the silver, the precious stone, you know, the, 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 the triune God. We can gain God uh, while we're in this temporary uh, mode, that we can gain what is eternal what, uh, out of this temporary realm that we live in. At any rate, but it has to speak, you put it all together, you connect the dots, and it's just what you're saying, I say amen. There is a, a reward, and there is, and should be, again, a soberness that we Christians have to come to God and ask God, you know, Lord, what do you mean by that? Is that yes. something that we we will be accountable to? And let's let's by God's mercy, you know, take it very seriously before the Lord. Well, we we we've talked uh, earlier on this program, and I, I guess I'll link to it in the in the program notes about the uh, the wise and foolish virgins, and, and what is, exactly. what does it mean to be wise? It means we have some real consideration about this, about how we live our life on this age, so that we can gain a profit for the Lord and enter into the wedding right. feast with Him. Yeah, it's a very sober matter, Joe, and. Uh, uh, yeah, very something serious to think about. So, yeah. amen. So we um, we have to wrap up here now, Joe. But uh, if you have any closing thoughts, we have uh, less than a minute now, maybe a half minute or so. If you have anything you want to wrap no, up, just with. again, I, I I like to put together, you know, uh, Paul Paul's writings for by grace we're saved through faith, right? And not not of works, lest any man boast. Okay. But then you read okay. James, you show me your. Your faith, I'll show you my works. And these are not contradictory to each other. Amen, Joe. Amen. Thank you very much. We're just out of time now. So praise the Lord, Joe. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.